Two and you are FM 103.7. It's gardening talk back for a Monday afternoon. Scott, now last week someone mentioned cordial lines to us. Yes, uh, an old mate uh, rang up and asked me about cordial lines, and I, I'll admit I didn't know the answer. A little bit stumped. I was a little bit stumped, yes, like a tree that's just been filled by a chainsaw. I was stumped. <laughs> Absolutely stumped. Oh. So I thought we'd uh, we'd answer the question for him today. Now, cordy lines are a, a really lovely plant if you uh, want to get some you know uh, foliage colour into your garden, get that sort of a tropical look. They mostly grow up north. Uh, they will grow down here, and look, they will actually grow as far south as Hobart if you've got the right, oh, right spot on. for yeah. them. Yeah. He might find you get some burnt tips on the leaves, you know, the further south you go. And the thing I found is the further north you go, you can actually have them out in the full sun up there because there's more humidity in the air for them to draw in. But as it gets drier and drier down here, they don't yeah. handle being in the full sun as much when it gets really, really hot in, in summer. Uh, so, yep, look, a really great plant to uh, increase that, uh, that foliage colour. Now, uh, old mate, we don't know his name. Uh, he asked me, you know, how to get that, uh, you know, that nice red colour into your cordy lines because uh, his were going a little bit green, and of course that's because of the uh, the chlorophyll in the uh, in the leaf. Um, so look, to make your uh, cordy line leaf colour a little bit brighter, you need to add some fertiliser with a high level of potassium in spring and autumn. So you could use sulphate of potash if you wanted to. Uh, that's actually for the flowering of plants, but uh, it looks out like it's going to actually help uh, cordy lines. It's as always well. a good one. It's always a good one. Now, uh, you could actually use an organic lawn fertiliser if you wanted to, but you've got to make sure that it's got plenty of potash. Now, I haven't seen many uh, lawn fertilisers that have a significant amount of potash because mostly it's got a nitrogen in it to yep. build up the green leafy growth of the lawn. Did you put them into a bucket and mix them? Mix the uh, potash and the fertiliser? Yeah, I guess you could do that as well if you wanted to, but you might as well just put the sulphate of potash on there. That's that's what I'll be okay. doing. Yeah, but it's, so it seems to need it in spring and autumn. If you want to, you can also uh, make up a foliage spray uh, with potash and iron and give it a spray all over the foliage uh, and that will help. So, yeah, cordy lines, great colourful plant. And if you want to get them more colourful, uh, give them the fertiliser uh, at those times. A bit of potash and iron in spring and autumn and off you'll go. Happy days. Yeah. It is Gardening Talk back on 2 and you are at FM. 4921616 is the number to call if you have a question for Scott Sharp. And we've got Sylvia from Bonnells Bay. And she's got a question about a persimmon tree. Persimmon hey, tree. Persimmon. How can we help you with them, Sylvia? Uh, it's full of fruit mm. and it's got sunburned for oh. the first time ever. Well, that's going to happen the way it's been. So what do I do? Pick them off and throw them out or they'll be all right? Well, oh, you're actually talking about the fruit rather than the leaves, are you? The fruit. Oh, wow. I've never, I've never heard of that happening before. That's, that's Neither quite, have I. Yeah, that's it's quite a, unusual. It's, a, it's not a new tree. Mm-hmm. And it's never happened before, and I don't know what to do with it. Well, look, I, I wouldn't pull them off quite yet. I'd just wait and see what's happen what happens with them over the next couple of weeks. So they may just naturally fall off. And if that is the case, of course, pick them up and, uh, you know, see if they taste any good or discard them in the garbage. Well, they're not ripe yet. Oh, uh, yeah, so... It's just the tops have got sunburned. Yeah, look, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't be concerned. I would just leave them on there and see what happens. They may still taste very nice for you. Thank you very much That's not for a problem. Help. Thank you very much, Sylvia. Have a good Bye. afternoon. Bye-bye. Cheers. We've got Colleen from Cessnock, and she would like to know about a recipe for Vegemite spray. Oh, you're going to have to mix it up. It's a bit thick, I think, just to spray on straight. <laughs> <laughs> How can we help you, Colleen? What are you going to use it for? An uh, apple tree. Oh, an apple tree. And you've got apples growing up at Cessnock, have you? Yes, oh. they're um, Granny Smith. Oh, fantastic. And that, that's what I use. I used to have a tri-apple tree 
as well. Yeah. And uh, apricot tree, yeah. uh, peach tree. But those three trees were at the base of my backyard and the bats drove the neighbour at the back. They couldn't sleep, so I had to get them out. But the um, granny ap- apple tree uh, still has apples on it, but uh, I need that Vegemite. Recipe. Right, so usually uh, with the Vegemite, you mix it up into a paste and it's to get rid of fruit fly. Uh, so you use an insecticide in there like Malathon and you, you mix it up into a bit of a paste and you can put a couple of steaks or you might even paint it onto the trunk of the plant if you want to. Uh, the other thing you can do is get an old Chinese, uh, you know, like an old plastic container like you get your Chinese takeaway in and you can put some in that as well and cut a hole in there and hang it um, throughout the tree. And, and the fruit fly come along and the Vegemite attracts them in and then they feed off that they go yum 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 and then they die they go because the malathon in the vegemite has killed them you mean i put the the valamite in the vegemite yes you mix up the malathon in the vegemite equal part oh no no that'd be you just mix it up so it turns into like a little bit of a slurry like a little bit of a paste okay yeah well, thank you so much. That is I not, shall do that. Not a problem. Look, you don't need huge amounts of Vegemite. Um, just you know, just small amounts, but they will be attracted in there, and they'll be and they'll be killed. They'll go stone dead. Good. Excellent. Mm. Thank you very much, I Colleen. I shall do that. Okay. Thank you so much. That's right. Good luck with it. Bye. Bye. I have to say, your reenactment of fruit fly eating the paste and then dying yeah. was top shelf quality. Well, thank you. I, I could have had a little bzzz in there as well of the fruit fly flying in. You could have. Putting yeah. in radio calls back to fruit fly control <laughs> or whatever. <laughs> but I didn't do that for you, okay? Thankfully. Okay, I'll work I'd up like to, to see the full performance of that at a later date, though. Okay, it's performance <laughs> art. <laughs> but we've got Rosalind now from Toronto and she's got plans that are dying some some sort of fungal infection. Oh, dear. How can we help you, Rosalind? Oh, well, um, treatment or identification and treatment would be wonderful. Yep, I'm really devastated. I've grown zinnias for years and years and usually have buckets of flowers and uh, I'm struggling. And it's it's other plants as well, like um, I lost my lemon tree, um, my pyrethrum daisies, my lilies, um, vincas, status, all like desert plants and, and high dry dry plants and yeah. Right. Okay. And and so, what's what sort of thing is it making you think that it's a fungal infection? Because uh, you've, you've mentioned a vast array of plants there that it's um, the zinnias. I can understand because zinnias actually do uh, get uh, you know fungal disease quite um, quite readily on their leaves, uh, and so you can treat that. Lemon tree, uh, yeah, maybe not, but um, yeah. it's not leaf fungus. It's root fungus. Ah. Okay. So you think it's going through the the roots of the plants, do you? Oh, I'm fairly sure. Yeah, okay. So, look, uh, there are chemicals you can get. Um, it's a phos acid you can get. and It doesn't it, work. It, it doesn't work. I know. That's terrible. Um, yeah. Well, that, relax is what I'm after, but can't buy it. Yeah, well, see, unfortunately, we're only able to recommend things that, uh, you know, I can sell to the domestic gardener. Um, so really that's, that's the only thing I can actually recommend. There are, look, obviously other products you can get, um, if you've got, uh, you know, the, the licensing and spraying, um, ability, you know, to go to, uh, you know, like farm places, but, uh, unfortunately I can't recommend those. I'm only able to by law recommend things that you can get, uh, for domestic gardens. Yeah. Um, like, is it, um, like, is it, a, I'm, I'm thinking it's a pythium, um, fungus or, 
maybe it's several different fungi because of the unusual weather conditions we're having. Yeah, look, undoubtedly we have had, um, you know, very strange weather conditions. Uh, you know, we've had all this, this heat and uh, humidity and then we've had rain. Um, but uh, look, yeah, unfortunately, those those foss acid um, products are the only ones that I can recommend to. And you just you mix them up in the watering can, you drench the soil in the area, and it, uh, it kills the uh, the fungus on contact. But it also also is drawn up through the plant and through the root system as well to uh, to have an effect there. Right. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Right. okay. Yeah. Sorry about that, okay. Rosalind. Okay. Yep. Thank you. Cheers. Bye-bye. Bye bye. 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 Cheers, everyone. We've got Scott now from Qatar, and he's got a question about tree ferns. How can we help you with them, Scott? There you go, mate. Look, I've got them two. They're about um, eight inch diameter, yep. and they're growing too close to the house. So, um, do you have much success in like digging them up and transplanting them, or? Now, mate, the the ones you've got uh, is it the one that gets a really tall trunk and goes up like a big umbrella, or is it the one with the furry sort of the furry butt or the furry trunk and yeah, stays down low? Yeah, the, uh, the furry, just the shorter, stumpier one. Oh, beautiful! Oh. So, so now that's called Dicksonia, and you yep. can actually uh, transplant that one quite readily. The taller ones, Cooper, I don't transplant very well at all. Um, yep. So yeah, mate, look, you can dig that one out in underneath, and uh, you can move it around if you want to. You can actually also okay. cut those as well and then sort of plonk the top bit back into the ground and it'll regrow for you. But, I mean, for your, um, you know, uh, means, you could probably just dig it out and move it around if you want to. And then, of course, there's plenty of water. Yeah, well, as I said, I've got two of them and they sort of, one grew off the other, if mm-hmm. you like. So I can sort of break them apart and, and put them into two separate ones, do you think? Yeah, mate, you, sh- you should be able to use that. Make sure you use a nice, sharp pruning saw and, and go for it from there. So dig down around um, a good, what, two-foot diameter sort of underneath the, the bottom of the trunk, you reckon? Look, it, it comes down to how much you can actually physically dig out and move around yourself. You know, get a couple of mates yep. around, stick, uh, you know, a six-pack on or something and see what happens. Yep. And, uh, right. yeah, it, it really comes down to that. And then when I transplant it, do I need any... Um, special sort of fertiliser or no. potting mix or no, no, straight that, in the ground? Straight in the ground. Make sure you're watering it because you've disrupted the root system of it. Uh, yep. Fertilisers at that time can often stress the plant and especially with a native plant like that, you'd only use something very, very soft like blood and bone uh, or a specific yep. native fertiliser. So, uh, yeah, mate, look, you're best at that time to steer clear of any fertilisers and just get on it uh, with the watering and just uh, re-establish the root system. And then, you know, maybe in two or three months you might get some blood and bone and sprinkle it around the area and give it a feed that way. Excellent. Thanks so much for that. Not a problem, Scott, and uh, great name, mate. Yeah, mate. (laughs) Thanks, mate. We'll go go far. See you, mate. Yep. Cheers. Let's take a bit of a love in there. Well, we've got to have a bit of a hug about something, don't we? True. Yeah. Try and be positive. Yeah, okay. And that means having the same name. Yep. Good luck to you. I'd better Greg rings in soon and we can just have a loving with him as well. I'll be giving it no love. Okay. He's probably really a Gregory. And I don't like Gregory's. Oh. <laughs> We've got Brian now from Gorick, and he thinks he might have some armyworm in his lawn. Uh, Brian, mate, I'd say it is what you're going to have, but describe what's happening to your lawn for us. Well, I was going on the description that you guys were going on with uh, last week. Yes. About, uh, and several people rang in and, you know, said they had the dry, the, the dead patches on their lawns mm-hmm. and blah, blah, blah. And you said, quite possibly, the army worm. Yeah. But I thought what came with the army worm was little mounds of dirt where they were 
digging up. No, no, the armyworm doesn't do that. It actually sort of just lives in under the thatching of the lawn and comes up a little bit higher, um, you know, when you get to the night time to feed on sort of the understory and the top of the lawn. Uh, often they'll get into the root system as well and do a bit of damage there. Uh, the When you're seeing the little uh, mounds of dirt coming up, that's usually mole crickets. Uh, sometimes it can be black beetle. Uh, or it can just be earthworms as well when you get those little mounds of dirt. Um, yeah. so, mate, if you haven't got those things, and just the, at the moment it's just running right through the place, so I, I would you know, strongly suggest it's going to be army grub that you've got. And how would you distinguish? Like we've had some, I'm down on the central coast, mm-hmm. and we've had some really long periods of hot weather, as you know. Yep. Um, how, how would you tell if it's just dying because of lack of water or... Or the armyworm. Yeah, well, look, what can what usually happens is the armyworm, like I said, is in there and it eats away the root system. And that when you get these hot spells, it stresses the lawn out even more because it hasn't got the root system. If it was raining at the moment, the armyworm could be in there happily chomping away and you probably wouldn't notice. Uh, so when you get these hot spells, it just manifests itself so much you know, more strongly than an, uh, you know, if we didn't have the hot spells because the root system is being eaten away. Um, look, yeah. mate, in either case, watering the lawn is going to be the best thing you can do for it anyway. Okay. Yeah, and, because... and I can't recall, was there anything particular to um, pour on the lawn to... Yeah, look, you, you just go down to your local garden centre. Um, they will be able to uh, help you out. You can get, uh, look, either spray-ons, uh, once you can use a watering can, or there's actually like a granular you can shake onto the onto the lawn. Uh, look, it just depends which way you want to do it. Mate, the main thing is, though, do it later on in the evening when they come back up to feed. If you go out in the middle of the day, yeah. that's when yeah. they've gone down deeper. Uh, and, you know, you just don't get the effect. So make sure you do it later on in the evening, and any one of those will work for you. Uh, but, yeah, go to your local garden centre, ask a couple of questions, and uh, yeah, they should be able to help yeah. you out with it. Okay. Okay. Thanks, Scott. Good one, Brian. Have a good afternoon. Bye. Cheers. And we've got Heath from Swansea, and he's got some issues with some root systems. How can we help you, Heath? Yeah, mate, I've got a massive camphor in the backyard, and I've cut it down. Is there an easy way to sort of get a stump grinder in there to get rid of it? Can I poison it at all? Yeah, mate, look, when did you cut it down? Uh, on the weekend. Excellent. Okay, so it's still nice and fresh and green. Uh, mate, you yeah. need to arm yourself with a drill and a decent-sized uh, drill bit, and you need to go and get a product called Tree and Blackberry Killer. And with that, you start, you drill holes down into the trunk and any other roots that you can see sort of moving away from the plant. And uh, you mix that tree and blackberry killer up with uh, usually 50 50 with Kero, or I use, or you can use oily petrol if you want to, like whippersnipper petrol. And you actually pour that down into those holes. Uh, Go away for a couple of hours and hopefully it'll soak in and come back and give it another dose of it. And so will it just deteriorate, will it, over time, or will it yes. just make it easier to get out? Well, they'll, they'll rot away over time. I, I, the problem with it, if you don't do it, you might get suckers coming back up, so you definitely need to poison yeah. it. And the trouble is, if you've let it go for you know a month or so since you've cut it down, that stump sort of dries up and it's not absorbing anything in, so that's why it's important you do it as soon as possible. Oh, righto. No worries. Okay, mate. So, okay, cheers up, mate. Good, decent-sized drill bit and drill yeah. and, and go for it. Tree and blackberry yeah. killer. Would it kill it quicker or just went just not fifty fifty or just went straight? Uh look how how big was the trunk, mate? Oh, it'd probably be um probably hundred and fifty mil in diameter. Oh, okay, so it's not big, you can just go straight with that if you want to. Yeah. Yep. Okay, thanks very much. Okay, mate. good luck with it. Yeah, you certainly don't want that growing in your backyard. Yeah, no, is that true that they go straight to your sewer system? 
Oh, look, the camphor laurels are just a massive, massive tree if you let them go. Uh, look, they should be a noxious weed here in Newcastle. They're not. Uh, up on the north coast, they are a noxious weed. And I think the trouble with them is that they get spread around so easily by the birds. Uh, so, you know, you just get seed and all of a sudden they'll take off and uh, look, just a bad plant to have in, in your garden. Um, look, full stop. Uh, yeah, I think they're, yeah. they should be a noxious weed down here in Newcastle. Yeah, it's a pain in Okay. Thanks very much, cheers, mate. mate. Okay, cheers. Camp, right. camp for laurels, we're coming to get you. You're very passionate about it. Oh, yeah, cut them down, cut them down. Is Just there like, some sort of petition we can start? Or? Oh, well, we should. We should have a, a GoFundMe page or something to get rid of the camp for laurel. Let, let's, let's do it. Yeah, I'll probably have the jacaranda in there as well. <laughs> <laughs> we can't put all the plants. Just, Just target one at a time. Just, okay, okay. Just quietly. And then we'll get, okay. baby steps. Baby steps. We'll go with the camp for laurel first. It's Gardening Talk back on 2 and you are at FM 49216216. We've got Amanda from Newcastle. And she's got a problem with her hydrangeas. How can we help you with them, uh, Amanda? Oh, they're my favourites. They're my favourite plant of all, but one's good and one's discoloured on the leaves. It's got light green instead of a rich dark green on it. Okay, so they can get a, a sort of a fungus on them at the moment uh, mm-hmm. with the humidity that we've had and the heat. Uh, now, you need to get a product called Mancozeb Plus and spray that. Has it got like a grey furriness on the leaf or underneath the leaf? Um, yeah, the other one does. Aha, yes. there we go. That's that's what it's going to be. And that's how it usually shows up. It just sort of just lightens off parts of the leaf. Uh, so the product's called Mancozeb Plus. Uh, it's a powder. Mix it up in water and spray it all over the top of the leaves and try and get as much as you can in underneath as well. And is it normal for it to have one more flower on it? Oh, yeah. Look, certainly. Yeah. So in November's their main flowering time, but then you'll get spot flowering. Uh, usually one more, you know, flower. You know, January, February. You know, around this time where you will get some spot flowering coming back through. But the main time is in November. Righto. And then after that, cut them back. Yeah, uh, well, cut them back in winter. And the thing to do to make sure you're going to get a nice lot of flowers uh, on them again in uh, November is to cut back to their double bud. So if you're having a look at them, you'll find there's sort of two nodes coming out of the branch. And you cut back just in above there. And then you'll get a really nice uh, growth coming out of there. And that's where you'll get the flowers from, coming from that uh, double bud cut. Beautiful. Thank you, Scott. Okay, not a problem, Amanda. You have a good afternoon. You too. See ya. Thank you. Bye-bye. Cheers, Amanda. We've got Ruth now from New Lambton, and she would like to know when and how to plant a fig tree. In the ground, Ruth, but we'll, we'll try and give you more detail than that, okay? How can we help yeah. you? It's in a pot. Yeah. It's about three years old. It's only about three foot high. Yeah. And there are three um, trunks, for want of a better word, yeah. three branches coming up in a vase shape. And we've had figs on it mm-hmm. last year and this year. It's uh, had plenty of figs, but I just want to know when do I prune it and how, considering it's so small? Yeah, look, I, if it's only a small plant, I, I probably wouldn't go and, and prune it at the moment. If, if you're looking, are you looking to get it into the ground? No. Oh, you just want to keep it in a nice pot, do you? Yes. Yeah, okay. And look, they will do okay in pots. They're a pretty tough old plant. Uh, look, are you fertilising it very much at the moment? Um, cow manure from time to time. Wow, that's so it's, you, that's brave putting cow manure straight in a pot like that. I would use a more all-round fertiliser on a fig. 
you know, one of the slow release ones, like Bounce Back, uh, because in those in those slow release uh, fertilizers like Bounce Back, there's a whole raft of different uh, elements that the plant needs. Uh, you know, for the green leafy growth, for uh, root system growth, and for the fruiting of the plant. So rather than just using straight cow manure, because it's always a really dangerous thing to do uh, in with plants in pots, is okay. to get one of those slow release fertilizers and give it a good old feed with that. Usually about three to four times a year uh, is the amount you use on that. And I think you're probably going to have a much healthier plant if you start doing that. Okay. And so you don't think I should prune it for a while? Look, if it's only a small plant, just let it uh, grow and get a bit of size about it. Look, if it's got a main leader going up, a main trunk, and you want to stop that and get it to branch out, you can actually just prune off that main leader and you'll get branching out and a thicker plant coming out from there, wherever you prune from. Well, it's got branches coming out as it is oh, off, ex- the, off the three stems. So. Okay, well, if you want to, you can just t- sort of just tip prune the plant. Just take a, you know the ends of the plant off down to the next bud node and then you'll get the plant spreading out from there as well. Okay, and that's that's so. The more you get the plants spreading out, the more fruit you're going to get off it, and that's what you want. That's right. Okay. Okay. Thanks a lot. Okay. Thanks, Ruth. Bye. It was more complicated than just putting it in the ground. More comp, just yeah, yeah, just pop it in the ground. Yeah, well, see, yeah, I jumped the gun on that one, didn't I? Oh, yeah, got too excited. I did. (laughs) Now, Scott, you had a bit of an issue in the week. Well, not really an issue. It was just someone came in and asked for something a little bit different. Yeah, it was one of those you know times when I did a, a double take because the, the question was a little bit, uh, let's say, uh, left of centre. Yep. yep. Did you live into a bit of a say what? Say what? Yeah. <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> I felt like it. it was it was quite an an odd request. And look, I guess in in, in reflection on reflection upon it, uh, yeah, look, there could be some basis to it. But I'm going to test it out on you, Greg. You're my litmus of the everyman, the, the bloke down at the pub. The man in the street. Yes, the man on the Clapham omnibus, apparently. Very loosely the man on the street, but yeah. yes. <laughs> <laughs> Would you put polystyrene in your pots, mate, if you were planting up something? No. Right. I don't think what, what, what smashed up or... Well, uh, this I don't is, think of it both. I would smash it up because it'd be worse. Well, the 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 gist I got from the lady I was talking to is that she was going to put like a couple of lumps of polystyrene or a f- quite a few lumps of polystyrene into the bottom of her pot, essentially to fill up the void of the pot so she didn't have to put in so much potting mix. Right. I've heard of people using polystyrene pots, but not. Yeah, I, I remember those as well. And and uh, people who are growing orchids also use polystyrene in their potting mix for the drainage. But this lady was t- like talking industrial strength, so she didn't have to put as much <laughs> potting mix in there. And uh, I said to her, look, I don't think that's a good idea. So if anyone out there is sort of contemplating doing this, I don't think it's a good idea because you want to give as much potting mix in there uh, for the plant to have as much chance as, as yeah. possible for its root system to grow down. Because, I mean, think if you were a little plant, you've been stuck in the pot, you're growing on you know, quite nicely. I could do a yep. sound effect here, I won't for you. Doing happy days. Happy days. Growing away. Yep, roots head down, in through the potting mix, going, oh, this is fantastic. I'm going to get bigger and happier yep. and grow flowers and stuff. And all of a sudden you go, whammo, you're into this polystyrene. Well, you're probably not going to die as a plant, no. but you're going to stop growing yeah. so i i couldn't really see the sense in it for skimping on you know a bag of potting mix or, or, or so just more dirt or, well dirt so you really don't use dirt in potting mix in pots because it clags up the bottom of the uh, of the the holes and it doesn't drain yeah. properly and then you also uh, there's not much nutrient in it i guess when it's in that sort of situation uh, so I, I always say no no fill up your plant pot with potting mix make sure you're giving your plant the best possible chance it's not going to dry out got more nutrient to grow and and become 
I've heard people use gravel and rocks. Yeah, now that's that's an old wives' tale as well. Oh, okay. Uh, and that comes down from when people did used to dig dirt out of the garden and stick it into the pots. And usually it was very sandy and it would just bang, it just sort of turn to cement and clog up the hole in the bottom and it wouldn't drain properly. So yep. you'll still get people coming in and asking about that. But again, that's an old wives' tale. Uh, with modern potting mixes, you don't do that. They're designed to drain freely and do all the right things. Oh, there you go. Yeah. I learned something new today. Yeah, there you go. Uh, we've got Ruth now, I think. No, it's Helen from Hinton, and she's got a question about a fig tree as well. How can we help you with it, uh, Helen? Hi, guys. How are you going this morning? Very well. Splendid. Good. Yes. Yeah. I've got actually the opposite problem of the last lady about her fig tree. Yeah. I've got a black Genoa fig that mm-hmm. is going absolutely gangbusters, uh, and it has grown so much this year, and it has thousands of figs on it, and it's I haven't been able to eat one of them because the birds have, have eaten all of them. Oh. Because the tree is now so big. So I would like to know how much I can cut it back by, the maximum I can cut it back mm-hmm. by. It's about three metres wide and a good three metres tall or uh, maybe three and a half, four metres tall now. And then I'm going to sort of put four posts around it and cover it with bird netting for next year so that the little buggers can't get, yes. can't get the fruit. <laughs> um, so when should I cut it back? And I guess it'll be after fruiting and... How much can I cut it back by, given that some of the branches I want to cut back are about 50 millimetres in diameter? Yeah, so you, you can cut it back. And uh, like you said, uh, yeah, you do it after it's finished fruiting so that uh, all the new growth, you know, that the new growth that comes on there is ready for fruiting material next year. Okay. Uh, now, the other thing, if you're going to start cutting back, uh, you know, limbs that are that big, you're best to go out and grab a product called Steriprune. Right. It's sort of this uh, tar-based paint. You can get it as a paint or as an aerosol. And whenever right. you've cut a big area like that, give it a good old spray and it seals up that little wound there and then disease can't get in there um, and you won't get any dye back in that area. Oh, good. Okay. Yeah, so definitely do that. Uh, Look, uh, you're probably about a third of the tree is going to be your maximum amount. Okay. With figs, you probably can go a little bit more, but, uh, you know, a third's going to be, you know, about as much as you want and make sure it's a really nice shape as well. Oh, yeah, yeah, I will. Um, I've, I've got the same problem with the mango trees next door to it too. Yeah. Um, the mangoes have gone gangbusters this year. And again, the, between the fruit bats and the birds, it's a struggle to sort of get the fruit off the tree. Mm-hmm. So I'd like to cut those back as well. So would that be use the same sort of product, Steri Prune? Yeah, definitely use Steri Prune. Uh, mango is a very, very prunable plant. They've got a really oh. nice sort of soft wood. It actually smells like mango when you cut yes, it. Yes, it does. Mm. Yeah, and you can give it a pretty hard prune back if oh, you want to. I? Yeah, yeah go, go almost as hard as you want with mangoes. And again, oh, now, now's the time to do it after they're finished, uh, after they're finished fruiting and, and get the netting. And remember the lady called in last week about the uh, fruit bats. If you don't want to kill yep. fruit bats, make sure you get a very, very fine netting. And uh, sort of peg it down to the ground as well, because apparently their their wings or something get caught in the in any you know sort of big openings in the mm. net. So make sure you get a really. I don't nice... know that I'll cover that one with uh, the okay. netting, yep. but I just want it to be a manageable height so yes. that I can use the ladder and get the to get the fruit off. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's a great rule of thumb with uh, a lot of fruiting trees. Uh, you know, citrus. Mm. Uh, you know, often you go out to people's places and you see they've let their their lemon trees get four metres tall. All the fruit's mm. up on the new growth. It's, mm. All it's doing is dropping to the ground and, and yes. creating fruit fly yeah. problems. So, oh, uh, but yeah. the mangoes are divine. They're so big. They're like a small football. They're beautiful this year. But I just can't... I can't get them before the bats do. Or the oh, okay. <laughs> yeah, and look, Greg and I here at uh, 2 and you are over between uh, 12 and 1 every Monday if you want to deliver some of those mangoes down to us. Oh, 
they're gorgeous. Yeah, they're beautiful. They're Kensington prides as well, so they're just yummy. Oh, <laughs> I think both outliers just lit up. There yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's all right. I'll get a napkin just to wipe the the, the drool but, from the. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. That we get it. We get so many mangoes every February. It's hard to eat them all, but yep, we try our best. We're more than happy to help <laughs> out. Yeah. Look, we're 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 generous guys. We will help out if you need some help with that. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I'll keep that in mind. Please do. <laughs> all right. Thanks for the advice. Okay. Thanks, Helen. Okay. We won't we won't forget you. Don't worry about that. <laughs> it sounded so, kind of sinister then, didn't Helen, it? Yeah, it did sound a little yeah, okay, we didn't mean borderline it. creepy. Yeah. But it's fine. They love mangoes, though. Oh, look, I could eat them till the cows. I was actually a little bit heartbroken when you said they're going out of season. They are almost going out of season, aren't they? Yeah. Oh, yeah. It's t- time's almost over for mangoes. It's sad. Yeah, oh. and we'll have to buy them for Mexico or somewhere like that during oh. the middle of the year. Typical. Never taste as good. Nah, never. No. Now, Scott, a bit of an anti-campaign you have against the grasshoppers. Yes. I love them. Uh, okay, please explain. Well, they're nice insects. Look at them. They do an immense amount of damage, though, to... Um, look, I, I agree they're probably a, a well-engineered, genetically engineered insect. You know, yep. you've got the, the legs that hop and the teeth that munch and the eyes that see you when you come in to cut them in half with a pair of scissors. <laughs> but um, they do heaps and heaps of damage to plants. Have you got pet ones or something like that? Or No, I just... I don't know. I just like... Grasshoppers. Well, actually, I was reading in the in the paper on the weekend about how green ants are the new culinary delight. Apparently, cooked green ants, you eat them and they have this like sort of savoury, peppery um, taste. I don't know if you can do the same thing with grasshoppers, but at, at the moment... I think you can eat grasshoppers too, can't you? You probably could. I mean, they'd be pretty crunchy though, wouldn't they? And, yeah. yeah, maybe as an appetiser or something. Yeah. Look, but if you do have grasshoppers and they are doing a lot of damage to people's plants... Uh, Cordylines, uh, you know, uh, citrus trees. They'll do, you know, they'll just chomp away at those. Uh, you have to be careful about what you're spraying with on edible plants. Uh, you can use carbaryl; uh, it gets rid of uh, grasshoppers, but you're not supposed to use it on edible plants. So be careful about that. Uh, or the other thing is, for some reason, you can go and if you've got a chook, you can go sort of release your chooks in the area. They love them. Uh, or my old favourite, yeah. the pair of scissors, sneak up and you know cut their head off, and that uh, fixes them up <laughs> quite smart. Quite smart. I've just always got this image of you wandering around your tippy toeing through your backyard. I do. I just on there. I've got them snip, 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 ready to go all the time. That is absolutely crazy. Oh, but, I, and they look at you, and I, I, I'm heartless. I've got a black heart, mate, when it comes to grasshoppers. Just, just yeah. Don't care. No, don't care at all. Oh, well, fair enough. We've got Shirley from Raymond Terrace, and she's got a question about a macadamia tree. How can we help you with your maca? Oh, hello, Scott. Um, I have a macadamia tree, which is, oh, I, I'm not good, Joseph judge of distance, I'm saying it's probably about oh, 10 foot tall, yep. 9, 10 feet. How far can I cut it back, please? Uh, My problem is when the nuts start falling, the yep. crows start coming and pinching my nuts. Oh dear. Um, well, I think you can probably cut that again down by about a third um, is the best um, uh, you know, height to get the uh, maca tree down. I probably right. wouldn't cut it any further than that and make sure you get a really nice uh, shape to it again. Because, yeah, the nuts will grow on all the on the new foliage. So, yeah, about a third right. of the plant. And if you've got some of that steri prune as well, uh, you can give it a, a spray on any wounds and uh, seal them up there. Okay. So when should I cut it back? Uh, so has, have the nuts finished uh, falling off yet? No, there's, there's, oh, I see there's a few on there now. Okay. Hopefully there's a lot more going to come. So always the rule of thumb is uh, whenever it's finished flowering and fruiting, that's when you give it a cut back. It gives it enough time to get new right. material, new growth material on there uh, to uh, fruit and flower again next year for you. Okay. Good. Thank you very much. Not a problem. That. Thank you for that, Shirley. Bye-bye. Bye. Well, Scott Sharp, we're almost out of time for another 
Gardening Talkback. But before you do pop outs, is there anything you'd like to mention? Uh, yes, look, there's a couple of new plants that have uh, been released. Yep. Uh, Dwarf Maria. Dwarf Maria. Yes, this one's called Hip High. Uh, so it looks like a little uh, Japanese box, uh, but Mate, you get the white flowers how, all over it. How high does it grow to? It only gets to about a metre. So probably about your hip. Yeah. Oh. There we go. So it's been given the right name. The clue is in the title. It is. Most marais will, you know, if you get your normal growing marais paniculata, it will get up to, uh, you know, three to four metres tall and become quite a large shrub. Uh, and most people keep them pruned down to a hedge anyway. But uh, hip high, at one metre is going to give you the perfect uh, hedge height straight away. Oh, very good. Yeah. Before we do go, I nearly rang you over the weekend. Did you? And it was for nothing besides for gardening reasons. Right, right. Just to say hi. Yeah, just to say no. (laughs) But actually, I transplanted one of my chili plants Mm -hmm. because they're getting too close to each other. So I dug it up, put it next. Thought I did the right thing, digging it far down as I possibly could. Yep, yep. take as much soil as you can. Yep, put it back into the new hole. Yep, give it water. Two days Oh, yes, give it water. Right, okay. Yeah, I think I might be prompting (laughs) you here. But anyway, so you stuck it in the hole, probably wasn't watered. And And, yeah, a few days later, a little bit droopy. Yep. So watered again. And we got that big storm. Yes. Fine. Oh, perfect. I don't know, don't know what happened, but it's fine. Oh, well, you probably disturbed the roots a little bit. Did you have chilies on it when you did it? Uh, there was two on there. Okay, yeah. So you, if it had lots of chilies, you probably wouldn't have done that. It would have dropped all its fruit. But it looks like you've, you've saved the day, mate. Yeah, somehow I've saved it. I've clumsily saved the day. <laughs> <laughs> and so simply. Well, Scott, I'm sorry. I'm going to have to leave you. Oh, that's okay. Right here. No worries. I'll catch you next week. Okay, cheers. Thanks for listening to this podcast from 2NURFM at the University of Newcastle. Topics range from gardening to health, well-being, pet care, finance, business and travel. You'll find them all at 2NURFM.com.